Blog Talk Radio. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, each and everyone who are joining in with us this evening. We bless God, we thank God, and we praise God for each and every one of you. I would like to welcome you this evening to this special edition of PK Bible Study, Amen, Purpose Kingdom Bible Study. I will be your host, Pastor Colleen Daly, for the next hour, and I'm just excited about what God is going to do this evening. So I want to first welcome you to this, the 1,433rd episode of Purpose Kingdom Network. And y'all know what I'm going to tell you. Um, I want you to grab your Bible, something to write with, something to write on, and get ready to take down some notes. You can listen in via the live stream. Let's send out a text for me. Let people know that they can listen via the live stream at www.blogtalkradio.com backslash Purpose Kingdom, or they can join in with us via phone at 319-527-6091. And if they would like to join into the conversation, they can simply press 1. But it is that time again for us to study, to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen who needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of the Lord. Amen. And we are going to stop before we go any further, and we are going to have a word of prayer. Hallelujah, God. Lord, we thank you. We magnify you. We glorify you this evening. For you and you alone are worthy of the glory, the honor, and the praise. Father God, it is once more and again that we, your handmaid servant, come humbly yet boldly before the throne of glory. We come, Father God, with the praise in our hearts and the praise on our lips. We enter into your gates with thanksgiving, and we enter into your courtyards with praise. Hallelujah, God. We come saying thank you, Father. We thank you for everything you've done for us, Father. We thank you for everything you're doing for us, Father. We thank you for what we are believing for you to do for us, Father. Hallelujah, God. We just come to say thank you. And, Father, even if what we are waiting on never comes to pass, we still could not thank and praise you enough for all that you've already done. Hallelujah, God. We come to you this evening, Lord, doing this high, holy Sabbath, Father God, praising and glorifying your holy name, Father. We come, Father God, saying thank you for the gift of the Feast of Passover. Thank you for the gift of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Thank you for the gift of First Fruits, which is coming up. Thank you for the gift of 
of resurrection, Father God. We just come to say thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. We glorify you and we magnify you. Father, we ask that you will touch everyone under the sound of my voice this evening, God. You know what your people stand in need of, Father. Someone may be coming this evening looking for healing, Father God. We know that you have healing in your wings, Father God, that there is healing in the hem of your garment, Father God. We know that your word said that you were chastised, Father God, for our iniquities, Father God. You were wounded. I'm sorry, Father God. You were bruised for our iniquities, and you were wounded for our transgressions, the chastisement of your peace. God saw fit to put the chastisement of our peace upon you, Father God, and by your stripes we find healing, Father God. We are healed, so we call on that healing this evening, Father God. Father, we ask for comfort this evening for those that are grieving, Father. We ask for peace for those dwelling in confusion, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, God. Hallelujah, God. We ask for deliverance for those that are bound in depression and in any other situations that have them bound, Father. We speak deliverance over them this evening in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah, God. Toil the soil of our minds that your word will fall on good ground this evening, Father, that it will take root and that it will grow into good fruit-bearing trees in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord. Then I sit here today, surrender to your will, Father. Hallelujah, God. Have your way, Father God, for you are the potter. I am just mere clay, Father. I ask, as I always do, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Hallelujah, God. It is in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah. I'm just excited once again about all that is going on, all that God is doing. I'm excited about this time of year. Um, right now, some of us have just celebrated the Passover and are we're in the Feast of Unleavened Bread and First Fruit. Some of us just celebrated Palm Sunday today and are entering into what we will call the Week of Passion. And, and what we are all truly celebrating in all honesty is the fulfillment of a foreshadowing that took place centuries ago with the children of Israel their last night in Egypt. Amen. Um, and when you look at Palm Sunday, the truth is we are remembering what Jesus did and what was done for him in fulfillment of the first part of the requirements for the Passover, amen? Because remember I said that today some of us are actually um, had, had just celebrated the Passover, amen? So what, what's funny about it is some of us are fulfilling the first part of the remembrance, the Passover through Palm Sunday, while some of us have already celebrated his death and burial, and we're at unleavened bread and waiting on the feast of first fruits. Amen. But I'm going to slow down and we're going to back this up just a little bit. And what I want you to understand is because these are all intertwined and intertwined 
whereas I initially was going to speak about the Feast of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, what God has told me to do was to talk about that which was normally sacrificed during these feast times. Amen. And to do that, we have to start first and foremost with the requirement for the lamb. Amen. Because when the Passover was initially instituted in the book of Exodus back in Egypt with the children of Israel, amen, they were given instructions on what to do. And one of those instructions was that they must find a Passover lamb. Now, if you remember when we talk about Jesus and You can remember when Jesus came to John the Baptist to get baptized. What did John the Baptist say about Jesus? You can find it in John chapter 1, verse 29. He said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's the King James Version. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I like the way the Message Version says that same verse. The Message Version says, Here is God's Passover Lamb. He forgives the sins of the world. Amen. So what we are realizing right here is that when Jesus uh, had first approached John to be baptized, amen, John had already declared that this is the Passover lamb, that this is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So my question then became then what had to happen to this lamb? What had to be done to this Passover? over lamb. So the Lord led me to uh, his word, and he led me to the book of Exodus, chapter 12, verses 2 and 6. And what it reads, it says, tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of the month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, a lamb for a household. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. And you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill kill their lambs at twilight. Amen. So the first thing that we noticed was on the 10th day of the month, they were to select the lambs that were to be sacrificed for and on Passover. Amen. So, When you look at that and then you look ahead into um, Jesus coming into Jerusalem or that which we now call Palm Sunday, what Jesus was actually doing was he had actually entered in on what the Jewish people or the children of Israel used to refer to as Lamb Selection Day. Amen. Hallelujah, God. Somebody's going to get that in a second. That on the day that the people were supposed to go amongst their flock and pick out a lamb, hallelujah, here comes the Lamb of God riding into Jerusalem on a donkey and, mm, hallelujah, on Lamb Selection Day. Hallelujah. Now, remember, John the Baptist had already declared that Jesus is the Lamb of God, God's Passover Lamb. But now the congregation of Israel had to select this lamb. Remember, this is Lamb 
Selection Day. And the one thing that I love about God, if you remember in God's word, is he does not force anything upon us. We have to be willing recipients recipients of the love that he gives, of the blessings that he gives, uh, of the mercies that he gives, of the grace that he gives. We have to be a willing recipient, recipient of the salvation that he offers us. Amen. So although God had provided the lamb, and we find that again in John chapter 1, verse 29, the people had to choose the lamb. Because remember what is said in Exodus 2 and 26, that the congregation of Israel uh, on the 10th day of the month, every man had to choose or select a lamb according, hallelujah, God, to their household. So now let's see what happened when Jesus entered into Jerusalem. Now, for those of you who may not know, uh, uh, Jesus had told his disciples that they were to go and they were going to find the cult in this cult um, where they found this cult at the cult would be un, uh, unwritten, untouched. It would be a pure cult. Nobody had ever did anything with this particular animal, they were to bring them to Jesus, and Jesus was going to ride this cult into Jerusalem. And as he was approaching into Jerusalem, Matthew 21 and 9 says, the multitudes that went before him and that followed him cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. Hallelujah, God, saying, who is this? And the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Hallelujah. So by them praising the way they did, by them recognizing him the way they did, they didn't just sit there and go, hey, here comes Jesus, the healer. Hey, here comes Jesus, the prophet. Hey, here comes they No, they didn't say that. They said, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. So now they recognized him as the lamb that came from God, and they selected him as the lamb. Hallelujah, God. The congregation of Israel selected the Lamb of God, and they stayed within the letter of the law for Passover. It says, and the the word of God says that when you pick this lamb, remember the instructions, you have to keep it until the 14th day of the month. Now, you pick the lamb on the 10th, but you have to keep it until the 14th day of of the month. Now, what I like about this is that after Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he remained amongst the people who selected him. He stayed in Jerusalem until he was betrayed, which comes out roughly to about four days. Hallelujah, God. And during that time period, he walked with them. During that time period, he talked with them. During that time period, he healed them. Now, I always thought that it was a little deep that the the family had to keep the lamb that was going to be sacrificed with them for four days because you could get attached to this animal. You you could uh, uh, build a relationship, a bond 
with this lamb that you have just so that you can slaughter it. But then what God had to release in my spirit was the sacrifice has to be something that is painful for all involved. Hallelujah, God. For some it's emotional, for some it's physical. Hallelujah, God. But we bless and praise God for the sacrifice. So Jesus staying in obedience with the law for this lamb, Jesus, after being selected by the people, remained with them in Jerusalem again until the night he was betrayed. And it was on the 14th day that he was presented by one of his own, Judas, to the high priest. Amen. Now, what makes this particular Passover more significant than all the others, and I know somebody's saying, well, duh, Jesus was there, the God-man, God made flesh, he was there. That's what made it so much significant, but it's deeper than just the fact that he was there, that the God-man had taken on the form of flesh. It was deeper than that. What was deeper than the on this day than all the other days where where uh, uh, thousands of lambs were sacrificed in such manner and according to God's law was that this particular sacrifice, hallelujah, God, that, that was about to be uh, uh, made was a sacrifice that was being made that would cover all sacrifices. Hallelujah. I'm going to say that again. This sacrifice by the Lamb of God, you know, when the Israelites went to make sacrifices, they did them on different days, different occasions for different reasons. They had some that were uh, uh, given to them by law, and they had some that they did or what they called voluntary offerings. But they were done and given for a reason. And the amazing part of it is that on this day, this Passover lamb, this Passover lamb of God, this lamb of God who had come to take away the sins of the world, the one sacrifice that he was about to make covered every sacrifice that God's word ever commanded for the people to do. Hallelujah, God. And because of that, let's stop for a second as we talk about what did they do to the lamb and to understand how what they did not only needed to be done to fulfill the requirements of the law is you have to understand that there were six major sacrifices or offerings that we were required in reference to the law of Moses to give. Now, there were more than six offerings altogether, but they all fell into six major sacrifices. So we are going to stop and focus on those for a split second. The six offerings were you had your burnt offering, you had your peace offering, you had your sin offering, we had the guilt offering, we had the food and drink offering, and what has become one of my favorite is the red heifer offering, and I will explain that to you in a second. So let's briefly, let's just look at these six offerings that um, God required that we did. Now, the burnt offering, perhaps the best-known class of offerings amongst all people, it was the oldest and commonest sacrifice and represented submission to God's will. Amen? The whole offering was given unto God. No part of it was to be eaten by anyone, not the priest, not any 
All of it was given to God, and it was all given to God because the offering represented complete submission to God's will. It it expresses a desire to commune with God and to expiate, I'm sorry, to expiate sins that were committed incidentally. Hallelujah, God. There were, um, you had your daily burnt offering. There were three types. You had your Sabbath burnt offerings, and then you had your festival burnt offerings. The daily burnt offerings were done in the morning, in the evening, during prayer time. Then you had your Sabbath burnt offering um, that would be done on Sabbath worship, and then, of course, your festival burnt offerings. Your festival burnt offerings were usually done celebrations of the new moon, Passover, Pentecost, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Amen? So now remember, we said that Jesus is the Lamb of God. We, we, we said that Jesus is the Passover Lamb of God. So now we have these burnt offerings that must be sacrificed. Amen? So now they handed Jesus over to the high priest because you know, the priest had last say on if the lamb was without blemish. So now going back to Passover for a second, they had to hold this animal for these four days. And during the time that they were holding this animal, the family is supposed to be examining this animal to make sure that it is without a spot or a blemish. But at some point on that 14th day, they had to present the animal to the high priest because it was the high priest who had the last say on if the lamb was actually without blemish. So now we have Jesus who has been handed over to the high priest, and he has been examined uh, in their courts all night long. Then they take him to Pilate, and then they take him to uh, Harold, and then Harold sends him back to Pilate. And then finally, finally Pilate declares, I find no fault with this man. In other words, here is your lamb without a blemish. Here is your man without a fault or a wrinkle, a spot or a wrinkle. Amen. And when he said to them, here is your man, your lamb of God, I find no fault in him. What did the people cry? Crucify him. Now we have to remember, I used to always think that that was deep, that the people screamed out like that to crucify him until God took me back to Exodus and he reminded me what they had to do with the Passover lamb. On the 14th day, the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. And Pontius Pilate, he did. He tried to release Jesus, but the people would not have it. After all, they had selected their lamb. They selected the lamb that God had provided. Amen. And the funny part is they selected the lamb and didn't even realize that they had selected the lamb. But that's what I love about the God I serve. They had still selected the lamb. And in Matthew 27 tells us what happened they further proves that they selected the lamb and that together the people called out for the crucifixion or, in this case, unknowingly, God's Passover 
sacrifice. The 24th, uh, Matthew chapter 27, starting at the 24th verse, tells us when Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but that instead a riot was breaking out, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd. He said, I'm innocent of this man's blood. He said, you bear the responsibility. And all the people answered, his blood be on us and our children. So Pilate released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. And and we'll get back to that flogging in a minute because it is very um, important, but I want us to get back to these offerings. So because it's in these offerings that I want you to see how Jesus fulfilled all the requirements of the offering. So we just handled the burnt offering. Then you have the peace offering. The peace offering was an offering done to express thanks or gratitude to God for his bounties and his mercy. There were three kinds of peace offering. There's the thank offering, the votive offering, and the free will offering. The thank offering is a response of act to acts of divine beneficence. The votive offering is prompted by a feeling of gratefulness at the fulfillment of a petition, while the free will sacrifice, which was the character of complete voluntariness, has its origin not so much in the gratitude elicited by a happy experience as in the spontaneous motive of piety, of humility, of being humbled. Hallelujah, God. And when I think about the peace offering, I remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was handed over to the Roman soldiers and the high priest, and he was in the garden praying to God. And he said to him in Matthew twenty-two forty-two, he was praying, he said, Father, if thy be willing, remove this cup from me. But then he ended with, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He was volunteering again for this assignment all over again. Hallelujah, God. He was showing his free will in moving forward with that which he came to do, which was to fulfill the laws of the requirement of the offerings. Amen. Then you have a sin offering. Now, I need you all to understand this about a sin offering because we always think that or thought that a sin offering was for any sin that you committed. Well, no. Offering is an offering to atone for and purge a sin. This was a way to to express sorrow for the error and the desire to be reconciled with God. This was for sins that were committed unwittingly. Amen. That means that you did not knowingly go out to cause harm or to hurt anyone or to fall short on God, but yet you did. And in the scripture that makes us understand that Jesus Christ was our sin offering is back to John chapter 1, verse 29. He said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Then we have the guilt offering. Amen. The guilt offering. Amen. The guilt offering is um, was made to atone for sins of stealing things from the altar or for when you are not sure whether you have committed a sin or what 
sin you had committed, and it was also for breach of trust. Now, somebody's saying, well, how does that cover us? Because, see, some of you feel like you have never sinned, although Romans 3 and 23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then Romans 5 and 8 says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, hallelujah, God, Christ died for us. While we were still guilty in our sins, Christ died for us. Hallelujah, God. Then we have the food and drink offering. Now, uh, a food and drink offering or a meal offering represented the devotion of the fruits of man's work to God because it was not a natural product but something created through man's effort. And when I think about this food and drink offering, I can't help but to go back to the Last Supper. And although you can read about it in all of the Gospels, 1 Corinthians um, chapter 11, starting at the 23rd verse, 23b it says the lord jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he break it and said this is my body which is for you do in remembrance of me and the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me hallelujah god so what he was saying right now, he said, I am the bread, I am the wine, I am the meal offering, I am the wine offering, hallelujah, God. And then last we have the red heifer offering. Now the red heifer offering is a little more um, difficult to describe, and even the scholars and the Sadducees and Pharisees and the scribes of that day had trouble trying to completely understand the red heifer offering. The ritual of the red heifer is part of one of the most mysterious rituals described in the Bible, or in the Torah for that matter. The function of the red heifer was to atone for the greatest defilement according to Jewish law, the defilement of death. According to the rabbis, the highest form of ritual impurity was to come in contact with a corpse. Now, I'm going to go a little bit deeper into this because this is not an a actual offering that you hear talked about a lot. But if you read Numbers chapter 19, the Lord commanded Moses to have the children of Israel bring forth a red heifer without spot, wherein is no blemish, and upon which never carried a yoke. The heifer was to uh, cleanse Israel from Levitical defilement, or defilement from the dead, and provide a unique sacrifice for several reasons. This sacrifice, unlike other sin offerings, was a sacrifice made once for all the children of Israel, at least as long as the ashes lasted. Now, we're going to go into that later because the Lord is leading me to teach on the sacrifices, the offerings, as well as the laws of Moses. So we are going to get into that further later. But what I want you to understand, the red heifer offering, is that on the day of um, this offering, the, the priest, wearing his white priestly remnant, would lead the red heifer outside the camp. So out the, this was the one sacrifice that did not take place inside of the sanctuary. But there was an appointed place outside of the camp 
where they had set up a sacrificial altar. Now, this place that was set up had to be west of the um, tabernacle or west of the sanctuary, and it had to be in such a place that when the priests would bind up the hands and the, I mean, I'm sorry, the legs of the heifer and place them on the altar, the heifer's face had to be looking towards the west, toward the temple, and they would slay it with their right hand while catching some of the blood in their left. Amen? And um, they would dip their fingers into the blood. Now, what was so significant about this is that when they crucified our Savior, they took him to a place called Golgotha's Hill. Now, to understand, or what we also call Calvary. Now, to understand why this location is so significant, it's not simply just because it fulfilled all of God's requirements when it came to altars. If you read Exodus 20, chapter 20, verses 4 and 26, he says, you shall make an altar of earth for me. You shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen in every place where I cause my name to be remembered. I will come to you and bless you. If you make an altar of stone for me, you will not build it of cut stone, for it would will for if you wield your tool on it, you will profane it. And you shall not go up by steps to my altar so that your nakedness will not be exposed on it. Now why is that so significant? Because when Jesus walked up to Calvary, he fulfilled both Calvary, Gagathus Hill fulfilled the requirements of both altars. It was an earth altar, and it was also a stone altar. But Golgotha's hill or Calvary was not a stone or a hill that was made by human hands. It was just the way it was formed. But it was also located on the west side of the temple of God, so that while Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was facing westward, hallelujah, God, and could almost, if there would have been no roof, he'd have been able to look down on the mercy seat in the holy of holies, hallelujah, God. And, and we should be praising God right there. Right there is enough to just stop and give God praise to see that Jesus fulfilled all six of the requirements for the offering. Amen? Now, before I go into what they did to the lamb, because I, I want you to understand what he went through for us, I want to let you know that we are broadcasting live on www.blogtalkradio.com backslash Purpose Kingdom. You can call in, if you would like, at 319-527-6091. Amen. Now, again, if you read the book of Leviticus, starting at the very first chapter, um, they give very basic instructions on what is to be done with each offering. And basically, it, I, I can't read all of it because it we would be into probably chapter like 11 or 12, but I want you to please read it at your um, own uh, availability. I would like you to stop if you can and just read the book of Leviticus. Amen. But it, what it says is that for a burnt offering, that the animal must be uh, killed, 
and after the animal is killed, the animal must be flayed or cut into pieces. Amen. And just about every offering had to in some way not just be killed before it was put upon the fire, but it had to be flayed, pulled apart. The fat had to be taken out. It had uh, uh, in some instances. In some instances, the the shoulder, uh, the breastbone or the shoulder blades, the meat had to be taken from there. In some instances, the kidney and the gallbladder and those tissues and skins had to be had to come out. But all, and no matter how you did it, the animal had to be killed and then pulled apart before it was sacrificed. Amen? So now that's the blessing of God's mercy is that when God was allowing us to go through the foreshadowing, the practicing of these offerings, he was showing us that which Christ was going to do for us, Amen. Unfortunately, the children of Israel at that time missed it. And unfortunately, even today, some of us still miss it. But they talk about the pulling apart. And the part that they miss is because, as I said, the animal would be killed and then pulled apart. Oh, but it was a different story for the Lamb of God, hallelujah, God, when you think about what he went through. Because no matter what, the animal still had to be pulled apart before getting put on the altar, amen? And they tell us that before uh, Jesus was led to be crucified, that Pilate ordered that Jesus be flogged. Now, what you have to understand is that he was flogged with what they call a cat of nine tails, and this was a horrific ordeal. In fact, it was so bad that Roman law would not allow Roman citizens to undergo it. You can read that in Acts chapter 22, verses 24 through 29. The victim being flogged, and you know what, I'm not even going to say the victim right now because I want this to come home for you. Jesus. As he was being flogged, first they stripped him of all clothing. Then they tied him to a post with his hands stretched out above his head, hallelujah, God, so that it would stretch the skin, making the wounds work. He was then flogged by one or two people with a whip or flagellum. This whip, as I said earlier, was often called a cat of nine tails. It consisted of a handle that was about 18 inches long with nine leather straps about six or seven feet long. And at the end of each strap, was the small lead balls mixed with pieces of animal bone or metal. Each time these straps would hit you, they would tear into the body more and more with each successive lashing. With the lead balls ripping into the skin and the jagged jagged pieces of bone or metal tearing it out, flagging progressed muscle, Jesus' muscle, his vital organs, and even his spine would have been openly seen and exposed. Huge strips of skin would be hanging from his body. Remember, he had to be torn apart. Mm, Jesus, hallelujah. Can you imagine the, the, the pain of what he endured before he even got 
to the altar, hallelujah, to Calvary, to Golgotha's Hill, to the cross, by by, by the fifth swing, hallelujah, the, the whip was cutting into muscle tissue. The whip was cutting into, hallelujah, God, bone. The tissue, the, the whip was tearing out flesh. The whip was all of this he endured. According to Jewish law, this beating had to be stopped after 40 lashes. However, the Jews made a tradition of 30 line, uh, of 39 lashes, or they would say 40 minus 1, just in case a mistake in counting was made. But that was the Jewish law. Romans had no such law and may or may not have exceeded this limit of 39 lashes. The other thing that I want you to realize is because of how long the strips was, even though it was going towards his back, those lashes would wrap around his leg, his back. His... What I'm trying to get you to understand is that most people that were victims of a flogging, usually when it was over, fell to the ground, often unconscious and usually dead, never even making it to the crucifixion. Yet Jesus survived it, and he survived it without losing consciousness. Hallelujah, God. That is what he endured for us. That is what he went through for us. Hallelujah. And then after that, they put clothes back on his back. Let's talk about what they did to our Passover lamb, what they did to our sin offering, what they did to our guilt offering, what they did to our peace offering, what they did to our, our, our grain and wine offering. They then put clothes on his back and took him uh, uh, again to torture him some more where they put the royal, uh, the purple robe on him. And then they made a thorn, a crown of thorns, the thorns being six to eight inches long. And then as they mocked him, they sped upon him. They struck him on the head with the reed, what was driving the crown of thorns further into his head. Now, what I need you to understand about a facial wound or a head wound is because the capillary cells are so close to your uh, skin, a head wound bleeds worse and more profusely than any other type of wound other than our arterial um, cut. So in this instance, you have Jesus that has blood pouring profusely over his face, into his eyes. And then as they're getting ready to take him to Calvary, what do they do? They take the cloth off his back again, further ripping away skin and tissue and and, and, and and bones. And then the soldiers take this this uh, cross beam or what they called in the Greek a patabulum, and they put it across the soldiers of Jesus and tell him to begin to carry it to the place of his crucifixion. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, God. Now, when he gets to this place of crucifixion, you would think that it would almost be over because we're talking about how he fulfilled all the requirements of the offering. Amen. You would think that it would almost be over. But then, according to the Bible, that once he got there, they had to then nail him 
to the cross. Now, what I need you to understand is, remember, he was so weak that he couldn't even carry his cross the 650 yards away to the place of death through what they call the way of um, suffering. So they had to get someone to help him by the name of Simon. What I also want you to notice is by this point, his body is in shock. He would have been what medical doctor they would have called critically ill. At this point, he had not slept in over 36 hours. And he had been walked back and forth, not a couple of miles, but several miles from the high priest to Punch's Pilate, from Punch's Pilate back to Harrod, from Harrod back to Punch's Pilate. And now he had to climb up to this crucifixion site, to this altar, this Lamb of God, hallelujah. And once he gets there, what does he go through but more agonizing pain, amen, when they nail his uh, hands to the crossbeam. Now, I'm not going to get caught up in if it was his hands or his wrists or all of that. I don't care which part of his hand, his wrist they nailed. I want you to understand all that's important is that they laid him down and nailed him to that beam. And when I see them lay him down and nail him to that beam, I think of that scripture where Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, hallelujah, God, I will draw all men unto me. And now I see them, hallelujah, God, lifting my Savior up on his cross beam, meaning that they was lifting him by the beam. His body is now hanging. The blood, his body torn apart from the whipping. His shoulders probably dislocating out of each other. Hallelujah, God. He is suffering this pain. And now that they have him on this cross beam, what do they do? They now kneel his feet to the cross. Hallelujah. Psalms chapter 22 and 14a prophesies about Jesus saying, all my bones are out of joint. Oh, hallelujah, God. Thank you, Jesus. Have you ever dislocated a finger, a shoulder, just something made minor and felt that pain? Can you understand the pain that our Savior endured as they nailed him to this cross, our Passover lamb, our peace offering, our meal and grain offering is now on the cross performing all of the tasks of the high priest with Father forgive them for they know not what they do. As he is hanging there dying for the remission of our sins. Hallelujah, God. Just thinking about what he did for us. What he went through for us, the pain he suffered for us, he fulfilled it all down to the last letter of the law. Somebody's saying, well, you didn't explain the wine offering. Well, the soldiers say that when they wanted to make sure that he was dead after he had given up the ghost, the word of God says that the soldier pierced him in the side, and out of that wound fell the water 
spilled out water and blood onto the ground. And at that moment, as he gave up the ghost, they said there was a great earthquake that took place. Hallelujah, God. That the rail of the temple had been torn in two from the top to the bottom. But the part you have to understand is the veil of the in the temple divided the holy of holies. But there was a door, mm, Jesus, that was behind the veil. And when the Thank you, Jesus. When the veil tore from top to bottom, swung open, hallelujah, God. Now, unfortunately, we don't read that a lot about the door opening up in the Bible. But if you open up the Torah, they got it in there about the day that the veil was tore in two (laughs) and that the door to the Holy of Holies was opened by hands, not of man. Hallelujah, God. At the hour that he died, God exposed us to his presence. Hallelujah. The debt had been paid. Our sins had been forgiven. The Passover lamb had been sacrificed for the remission of the world. And we thank and praise God. The sin offering was made for the remission of the world. The guilt offering was made for the remission of the world. The red heifer offering was made for the remission of the world. The burnt offering was made for the remission of the world. And not just for those who lived in biblical times, but even for us today. And we can have him today. We can be blessed with him today. He can become a part of you today. That lamb that was slain, what did they do to the lamb? Truthfully, they sacrificed him in accordance to God's word just for you and just for me. And you can have him in your life today by simply accepting the gift of God that was given unto you which is Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. I don't care if you call him Isa in Arabic. I don't care if you call him Yahshua in Hebrew. I don't care if you call him Jesus in English. We are talking about the man, the God man. Amen. And you accept them by simply repeating this prayer after me. You say, Father God, I thank you. I thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. I thank you for the blood that he shed for me, for the remission of my sin. And I ask him into my life. I ask him to forgive me of those sins and to begin to make me anew. I ask him to sprinkle the blood on my mind and in my hands, the mantle and the doorpost, that I will think only of him and that my hands will work only for him. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And if you said that prayer, then you just tell somebody, you say, hey, I gave my life to Christ today. I accepted him as my personal savior. And according to God's word, once you make that confession out of your mouth, you are saved. And we welcome you to the kingdom of God.
Now, Brother Rob is going to come on to tell you how you can follow us and stay connected with us here at Purpose Kingdom Network. And then I'll be coming back with some final words and a, a charge for us by God. Amen, Brother Rob? Amen, amen. And uh, we thank you so much for tonight's episode and uh, truly enlightened as far as <clears throat> the, the Passover land. We greatly appreciate that. And with that being said, I'll just go ahead and do the announcements real quickly. This is a part of the Purpose Camp Network. I'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us for tonight's episode, no matter where in the world you are. We just thank you so much for your support and your listenership here at Purpose Camp Network. If you want to contact us via email, you can contact us at purposekingdomnet at gmail.com. We can see your comments, questions, concerns. Typically say hello or send a prayer request. We gladly honor that. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at Purpose underscore Kingdom. We also invite you to like us on our Facebook page at Purpose Kingdom. We can see our upcoming shows and advertisements. We're broadcasting on www.blogtalkradio.com backslash Purpose Kingdom. And anytime you want to hear any of our past shows, you can just simply go to the website. You can simply type in the show name or the host name, and you can hear that show in its entirety and at your convenience. And we uh, greatly appreciate those that continue sharing with their friends and family members. And thank you so much. <clears throat> Excuse me. And with God's will, God's blessing, we will be joining us tomorrow evening at the 9 p.m. hour. And uh, I do believe that we have um, a new show debating, I'm not sure, uh, which is going to be at the uh, 9 p.m. hour with God's will, God's blessing. And uh, we thank you so much for sharing with your friends and family members. Also, don't forget, uh, please stay tuned to our Purpose Kingdom uh, Facebook page where we will be soon to have our own, our very own network on RadioCo.com where we have a 24-hour programming including our daily one-hour broadcast of Purpose Kingdom Network. Uh, stay tuned, and we just thank you so much. With that being said, that's going to be the end of the announcement, and we're going to turn the program back over to Pastor Tori. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, God. We thank and praise him and bless him just for the word that has going out this evening. I would like to, to challenge you all. I know that, you know, we get into the debates on if Jesus died on Good Friday, if it, it was on a different day and all of that. And truthfully, the one thing that we do know is that in the year that he died, he died at Passover season on Passover. Amen. So what my challenge is, not even my challenge, but God's challenge is starting on Good Friday, and I got a confirmation phone call right before we went on the air from evangelist Trina Lindsay Hairston, and, and she really did touch my spirit with that she, and j- doesn't know how much she touched my spirit being the one that God used for confirmation. Um, but this coming Saturday, uh, Friday and Saturday, this coming Friday, which would be Good Friday, and then that Saturday, we are not going to broadcast either night. And the reason that we're not going to broadcast because God is challenging us to come and spend that alone time with him. Come seeking him. Come staying before him. 
listening to his voice. If you're able to fast, fast those two days. If you're able to consecrate, consecrate those two days. But set those two days aside for the Lord and watch what happens on resurrection morning. Hallelujah, God. Allow him to rise up in you on Sunday morning in new power, with a new praise, with a new purpose, with a new healing. Hallelujah, God, in Jesus' name. I pray that y'all will join in with me on that. It's not mandated. It's just a challenge that God told me to share with each and every one of you. So remember, Good Friday and the Saturday after, we will be before the Lord in private. This walk is a personal walk. It's a private walk. It's a choice that you and you alone have to make. Go labor for the Lord for those two days and watch what God does on the third day when Jesus rises anew and afresh in your life. Thank you for joining in with me this evening as we discussed what did they do to the Lamb. I thank you. I bless you. Father God, we thank you for the word that has gone forth this evening. We praise your holy name. We glorify you, Father. We thank you, Father, for the word and for the soul that we believe that was saved this evening, Father God. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us, Father God. We thank you for uh, uh, Calvary, Father God. We thank you for the blood that was shed for us, Father God. We pray that you give us the strength to walk in your your command, your, your challenge, your desire for us to spend some alone time with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And then in obedience, resurrection morning, we will be broadcasting on Sunday morning. The time will be announced, but we will be having resurrection service right here on www.blogtalkradio.com backslash purpose kingdom. Know that I love you all with the love of Christ. I'm praying for you. I pray that you all are praying for me, and I will see you soon, be it God's will. God bless. Jesus led. He raised me, I will not lose. He saved me, I will not lose. I will not lose. Never want to see me down, I will not lose. He saved me, I will not lose. 